Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where it's none of your business where Dwight Howard lays his wood, but it is all of our business where Darvin Ham lays his Christian wood. And last night, Darvin Ham laid it all over Kevin Durant, and it was Christian good. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. Tommy, chop wood, carry water. Chop Christian wood, that is. The Lakers get their first win of the 2023-24 season versus Kevin Durant's sons last night, and we are now 1-1. One and one. It wasn't a pretty game. It was actually quite grimy and janky to watch. But a win is a win, and it sure beats starting the season off 0-5 like we did last season. I can't believe we actually started last season off 0-5, but we did. With that said, Tommy, how are you feeling after the first two Lakers games of this 2023-24 regular season? How am I feeling overall? Um, it's been it's been weird so far. It's like, I think you tweeted something, we were texting about this last night, but it feels like nothing that we saw in the preseason has translated to the uh, actual yeah. game so far. So I'm reserving judgment. Um, it is crazy. I think in the abstract, we talked about how rough the schedule would be to in the first 10 games. Um, not not necessarily we'd start two and 10 or whatever, like we did last year in the first 12, but just looking at the schedule seemed a little bit rough. But now that we're actually living through through the games, it you kind of appreciate it more, you know, it's like some tough road games against playoff teams, even the home games are pretty tough. So I think it's going to take a while to to form full opinions, but it, it's been, it's still been exciting to watch. Yeah, for sure. The Lakers last night won a hundred to 95, a good old grinded out nineties basketball game. It was really a defensive stalemate at the end there, more from the Lakers' end. Um, They held the Suns to only 11 points in the fourth quarter, which was very impressive. Now, we add all the caveats of the Suns didn't have Bradley Beal, the Suns didn't have Devin Booker. It was pretty much a one-man show, KD, 
and the Lakers finally turned the faucet off in the fourth quarter by putting Christian Wood on KD, of all people, but also heavy doses of AD as well in tandem. Um, But yeah, they held Kevin Durant to 3 of 10 in the final seven minutes of the fourth quarter, got some turnovers on him as well, or got him, got him, forced some turnovers on him. Um, And yeah, from there, LeBron James kind of took it the full way through with some very impressive drives at the end. Yeah, and we, you know, my biggest takeaway from last night is uh, there's nothing new under the sun because we reverted back to the LeBron and AD show, right? And we spent all offseason talking about all of these guys that we brought in, how Austin Reeves is going to step up, Rui Hachimura, the Black Samurai, looks like a renewed player, D'Angelo Russell, yada, yada, yada. And here we are again, Tommy. It's just the LeBron and AD show at the end, as it should be, but we also kind of expected more. But as you intimated, it's probably going to be a process because, yeah, I don't know if you have thoughts on preseason, but it's clear this team has a lot of work to do. And in spite of the continuity, there's still a lot to figure out. Preseason was a wash with all the injuries, with Gay Vincent having been out for a couple games, Cam Reddish being out a couple games, them load managing not only AD and LeBron, but also Austin Reeves as well, because he was coming off that lengthy FIBA trip, uh, that FIBA tournament. So it's almost like we're starting preseason off now. And I don't think, you know, I don't even want to blame Darvin Ham for the jankiness of preseason in terms of not taking it seriously because like what can you do when uh all these guys are out and you're trying to load manage dudes i think ad played five games or four games um maybe in the future you could say split the difference and instead of having lebron only play three games and three quarters in those three games maybe have all of your stars play in all all of the games but only for one half you know something so that we have a better sense of just how rotationally things are going to work out because yeah as you mentioned like we're seeing rotations that we never saw in preseason and so you can feel that on the court too the guys don't really know where to be um i think the biggest thing though was probably the paltry shooting from last night The Lakers shot 5 of 29 from 3, Tommy. That would be 17%. And if we take it back to last year, that would be the third worst three-point percentage the Lakers shot all season last year, which is pretty bad because we had Russell Westbrook through half of the season. Now, last season, I have a question for you. Last season, what is the lowest amount of threes that the Lakers made? What, What would you say is the lowest amount of threes that the Lakers made in any one game last season, considering that we spent more than half the season with Westbrook. Like, if I had to give you a number, what would that number be? Lowest in a game? I don't know. Probably four or so. No. The lowest amount of three-pointers we made in a game last year was six. Oh, wow. (laughs) So last night, we made five. We have already nice. surpassed that porous number, which is pretty incredible nice. because all preseason and during our predictions podcast episode, we were like, this is going to be a top 15, top 10, three-point shooting team. This is the one team that's going to bypass the Lakers shooting curse. And here we are, game two, Tommy. The Lakers have shot five of 29, even worse than last season in terms of like one game where they couldn't even make six three-pointers. But I guess get it out of the way early. But yeah, so my biggest takeaway from last night's game, again, is just 
This is going to be a process, more of a process than we thought. And so it's good that we at least got the win as we're in the process of trying to reformulate our identity with all these new pieces that we added. And even though we have continuity, I do want to point out that it seems like there are very clear new goals set out for a lot of our core players and our returning players that they're only now trying to implement this season. Whether it's using AD at the top of the key to initiate the offense in a five-out scheme more, or LeBron playing off-ball more, and then at the end he maybe has the ball again in his hands. It may be, you know, AD playing with another big like Christian Wood, having Austin Reeves play on-ball more and create a little bit more this season, having D'Angelo Russell be more aggressive driving. There's a lot of new smaller parts that every individual, I feel like, is trying to implement And because of that, even though there are a lot of returning new players, I think it's just going to be a process and you can see the gears turning for a lot of our guys, even including AD and LeBron. I'm sure you guys have seen that clip of LeBron James, you know, (laughs) mic'd up in the first game versus Denver where he's like going through the motions of like, you guys know I'm still a point guard, right? And he's, D'Angelo's talking to him, yo, we need to use you, we need to use you more in the pick and roll, bro. And LeBron's like, yeah, the pick and roll and also at the elbow because I can see everything. So You like to see the gears turning in all of these guys' heads, but my point is the gears are still turning and these guys are still figuring each other out. So it is going to be a process, more of a process than I thought, but I'm willing to go on this ride with them. But your thoughts on, yeah, that, that macro thought of, yeah, the Lakers have a long way to go, but that's okay. And yeah, there are, because I guess because of the Vanderbilt injury in particular, we are having to integrate more of our new pieces than we thought and having to rely on them a little bit more than I think we thought in this early part of the season, but at least the depth is showing a little bit. Sorry, that was a lot of scattered thoughts on my end, but like your overall thought on this is going to be a process. It's going to be a process because I think while we have the depth, I think figuring out the five-man groups you know, that are going to work together is going to take maybe more work than it has in previous years. I mean, in previous years, you could, we didn't have this level of depth. So you could pretty easily night one of the season, say these are our best five players. I think it's going to be weird this year because you have LeBron, you have AD. After that, it's unclear, right? We think we're, we think Dela is going to have a pretty good year. We think Austin's going to have a pretty good year. We thought Rui was going to have a good year and he still might if he gets more minutes, but Everybody else is almost sort of on the same playing field, and any night, any one of those guys could step up. But how they're going to step up is sort of dependent on lineups and and who they're playing with. I think, you know, you and I were texting after the game, and, and, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but Christian Wood with the big lineup, with LeBron and AD in the front court... It's pretty interesting because the length, right? It's like, you know, that that can account for some of the maybe other defensive fundamental issues that that, that front court might have. Um, we saw it game one with like the D'Lo, Vincent, Reddish uh, backcourt and wing, like flank D'Lo with two guys who are really good defenders who can hit a three potentially. Um, potentially. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, potentially. So it's just going to take a little time, I think, to figure out, you know, what groups fit together. And then I think everyone's game is going to sort of individually be elevated because of that. Yeah, for sure. So with regards to the game last night, what were some things that you liked? For me, I pointed it out, really loved the Lakers defense in the fourth quarter, held the Suns to just 11 points, held KD to three of 10 shooting in the final seven minutes. Uh, They were scrappy. Uh, AD and Christian Wood hounded KD 
other guys were helping out. So I liked the defense, and then I also liked, um, you know, LeBron James taking over and uh, saying, to hell with this minutes restriction. Give me the ball. I'm going to go downhill like a freight train and a battering ram and just put the pressure on the Suns. I also liked the way, the more diversified way that AD got his buckets last night. You know, a lot of talk was made about AD's 0 for 6 performance in the second half versus the Nuggets, but if you watch the way that he attacked the Nuggets in the second half, he attacked them the same way he attacked them in the first half, which makes sense why you would go back to that, but it was a lot of like him at the top of the key, like dribbling around and trying to drive it in half-court situations, whereas last night I felt like we put AD in a bunch of different positions to score where, you know, we actually played pick and roll, D'Lo with the lob to AD, or LeBron James with the pass to AD, D'Lo switching the pick and roll coverage where he, you know, dumps it down to AD in the post, AD camping out in the post, that one shot that he had in the fourth where he just had Eric Gordon pinned to the basket, and I forgot who it was, it might have been Gabe Vincent who threw it down low to AD and he got the and one. So I felt like there was a lot more diversification of AD's looks last night that helped out his offense yeah. and what he had like 30 points, right? So anything that you liked, disliked in a macro sense from the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, last night in particular, right? And and you saw it with that fourth quarter lineup and the run they made. It It's like when they had a group out there of five guys who played eight minutes, nine minutes together until Austin came in to sub to give a little bit of fresh legs um, to replace D'Lo at the end, right? And maybe a little bit more defense. But that's why, that's like, is part of the reason why that group played so well is they got that stretch together. I think, you know, this isn't a positive, but something they need to address is, you know, macro level thought here. I guess like, you know, we have depth, but that doesn't mean we need to run like hockey line changes like every five minutes. Like the they they I thought that, you know, the first game and a half, we were being like way too cute with the LeBron um hard cap on on his minutes. I mean, we don't need to go from thirty-six minutes, thirty-eight minutes to twenty-eight minutes. I think if you told anyone thirty to if LeBron landed in the thirty to thirty-two range, that would be a, a huge, huge win. 32 minutes is eight minutes per quarter. That should give us plenty of time to get like significant stretches of LeBron where we don't have to do this weird, like, you know, (laughs) everything feels like kind of thrown together. Like LeBron, okay, you go out there for five Mm -hmm. minutes and then you're, you know, it's like the only thing that's consistent is LeBron is coming in and out of the game every five minutes, but everything else is just like a random hodgepodge of whoever happens to be on the court when he does (laughs) that, you know? And so it's like, how can those guys play with any sort of continuity? So it's like, you know, AD had a much better second half in the last game, like you mentioned, but a lot of that came in the fourth quarter, and a lot of that came because he played with LeBron, and he played with uh, D'Lo for a lot of that quarter, and he got to have a significant stretch with the same group, and that group, you know, got off to a 6-0 start before the first timeout in the fourth quarter, and then carried that momentum the rest of the quarter. I mean, we held Phoenix to 11 points in the fourth. They couldn't make a shot, you know. Some of that was them missing shots. A lot of that was that group just, you know, building that chemistry during the game and coming together live during the game and just shutting them down. And, you know, you look at that quarter and and some of the other quarters we've had, and it's like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. It's like you give these guys any sort of consistency and continuity and say like, hey, you're going to be out there with this five-man group for this amount of time. And all of a sudden, you know, the results look a little different. Yeah, so in the fourth quarter, 
So the Suns, this is another positive. The Lakers forced 20 turnovers on the Suns, which is good. I mean, obviously, they didn't have a point guard. So I'm heavily caveating this, but we still forced 20 turnovers. And in the fourth quarter, we got them to commit eight turnovers in that quarter alone, which is very impressive. And the Suns only shot five of 20 in the fourth, 25%. So obviously, yeah, credit the Lakers uh, for the great defensive effort and for yeah, using that Christian Wood AD tandem against KD to really bother him. Um, I'm sure you've seen that LeBron James skying high for the tip <laughs> tip ball at the very end. Uh, and it, yeah, it's crazy, again, that LeBron James is 38 going on 39 soon and that he was able to, yeah, muster up one of those classic LeBron James heroic performances. AD in the fourth, 13 points, three of four from the field. LeBron James, 10 points, three of six from the field. Um And yeah, I mean, to your point, it it does feel like you can see Darvin Ham. And we kind of hinted at this during like our off-season podcast where it's like, man, because of the depth and because of the talent of players and because of the same level of talent, you could pick, you could go one of five ways any single moment on the court. You know what I mean? And you might not be wrong, but it's like you might be wrong because that player that you put in, like you mentioned, doesn't have the rhythm going into it and they just might not perform well, but you know what they're capable of. Right. And it's so it's, you can, it's almost like you can see the gears turning in Ham's head as he's trying to hodgepodge turnstile this group together. And he's like, he wants to obviously honor what Jackson Hayes did in the preseason. So he's like, all right, Hayes, uh, here's random three minutes I have for you. And then he never comes back in the game again, you know? <laughs> and then it's like, Rui Hachimura, it's like, okay, Rui, I only got like four minutes for you. Uh, you better do well in them, you know, or else Christian Wood's going to take over. So it, I think that's part of the process. I don't necessarily blame Ham for that, but it's going to be interesting to see how he continues to juggle uh, these rotations and this lineup moving forward. And the only connective glue we really have right now is LeBron James, Anthony Davis. And last night it was D'Angelo Russell. In spite of how poorly he shot from three, like we played D'Angelo Russell like nine minutes of the third quarter and then the first seven minutes of the fourth quarter just because we needed his offense and his ball handling, you know? Um, and right now, Austin Reeves, kind of going all over the place here, but. Austin Reeves looks tired and kind of rusty. And because of that, he looks sloppy out there. And I blame a lot of this on FIBA. FIBA may have zapped him a bit, and he's sort of hitting a mini wall. So I can understand why they load-managed him a little bit during the preseason. But, yeah, why don't we get into... Why don't we take it to break first? When we return, let's get into the individual players. Uh, So, yeah, let's do that. We will catch you guys after the turn. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. 
Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, so we are back. Tommy, let's talk about Austin Reeves first, since I uh, hinted at him prior to the break. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Austin Reeves so far? Here and there, he still shows his, like, swaggy crossover crafty moves. He had a really nice step-in three-point shot where he was, like, floating forward that he was able to hit last night. Um, Had some really nice drives. But overall, he seems like a shell of himself and... Point Austin has, hasn't really developed yet. In fact, it's more like, again, as I mentioned, we're reverting back to D'Lo, you have the ball, or LeBron has the ball. You know, Austin Reeves, I don't know if it's by design that they're just trying to slowly ramp him up. That might be the case. But Austin seems out of sorts, although you can contextualize that, obviously, with his long summer. But yeah, your thoughts on Austin Reeves thus far? Uh, just two games, right? But he just, he hasn't looked very good to me. I mean, in the first game, I thought he tried to make up for kind of an off shooting night with some hustle. He had eight rebounds. Um, he had a Mm -hmm. couple steals. Um, he was playing hard, you know, in that game against the Suns, like just underwhelming, you know what I mean? Like Austin last year and honestly, you know, last year was certainly probably overall our third best player. Um, if you factor everything, you know, I don't know, you can maybe argue D'Lo had his moments like, you know, but we only had him for a short amount of time. But overall, last season, Austin was probably our third best player. He certainly was our third best player in the playoffs overall. He was honestly, you know, our third or fourth best player his rookie year when he was only scoring like eight points a game just because of how solid he was playing. But First two games, I think overall I've been pretty underwhelmed. Um, you know, Point Austin, I don't know that like Austin is ever going to be a true point guard like D'Lo or like a true playmaker like LeBron, obviously. But like it feels like, and I don't know if this is just him trying to find his way with the new group, but it feels like he's almost taken a step or at least a half step back in that respect, mm-hmm. um, at least through two games. Um Again, it, it's just hard because he played in three preseason games. He played all summer with FIBA, which is not the same as NBA, right? It, and he's commented on that before. Um, so I, I think he's going to need a little more time. But I think where he is going to have to figure out his you know, ability to make an impact is putting pressure on the rim as a ball handler. Mm-hmm. And so far, he hasn't done that, right? He's kind of been happy to float on the perimeter and let other people... Uh, you know, kind of take the take the brunt of the load there. Um, so I think like he needs to, you know, and and part of this is the coaching staff needs to remind him like a significant chunk of our offense last year was him and Dennis putting pressure on the rim. Like we don't have Dennis anymore, and so we still need Austin to be able to do that. Like D'Lo does it in his own way, but he's not the finisher through contact that that Austin is so you know two free throws for Austin um against the Suns uh he had more against the Nuggets um but you know had a bad shooting night overall that that night so I yeah I think overall underwhelming and and he's honestly he's gonna have to have a huge year I think you know one thing that we probably sort of underestimated and and maybe this is because we didn't realize like you know what they were thinking of with this like lebron hard cap of minutes or however they're going to approach it 
is when you were looking up and down the roster at like, okay, you have LeBron and AD, but then you have all these other guys. Like, how are they going to spread the shots around? How are they going to spread the scoring around? LeBron is averaging 21 points so far. <laughs> you know, that's how they're going to spread the scoring around. But if that's going to happen, then D'Lo has to, you know, step up his scoring. Austin has to step up his scoring. Rui has to score more. And and so far, you know, Austin certainly, in my opinion, has not been carrying the load, considering what we saw him do in the playoffs last year. Yeah, and when he has drove it into the lane it feels kind of shaky, like he's going to turn the ball over or something or try and like foul bait a little bit and not get the foul. So I think that's something he's going to he's going to have to look out for this year with the refs not necessarily giving him those same and one calls that he got last season and not relying on that. I mean, Austin Reeves always finished through contact anyways, but I think more so he's not going to have he's not going to have the same calls he got last year because the league is. The scouting report is out on him, and I think we got a false sense of security from his preseason where in the in the three games that he played, he shot the lights out, right? I think he shot the best three-point percentage of the team in those first three games, and so we were like, oh, Austin's good. He's good, you know? But then the first two regular season games were like, oh, actually, that was just him shooting well in those three games, and that was kind of it. But in terms of game shape and game rhythm, he's clearly not there, right? And so if we're not getting the... 3A, 3B version of Austin Reeves. Like, I think that's why you're seeing a struggle in these first two games, not the least of which the fact that we just played the Denver Nuggets, the, you know, reigning world champions, the first game. So a lot of this, again, this is just two game sample size. So there's not much you can really glean from. And and I also think just like the three-point shooting is an outlier. Five of 29 from three, 17%. These guys are going to hit their shots eventually, most especially D'Lo. So why don't we why don't we transition to D'Angelo Russell because last night or the I mean the first two games he had okay games he had stretches where we really needed him uh last night 14 points five assists four rebounds two steals one block six of 16 from the field one of seven from three obviously he did not hit his three-point shots he had that one botched transition play where Ugh. well one thing Christian Wood and Anthony Davis were running down the court in such a weird manner. They were they yeah. botched the angles on their run, but he also had Gabe Vincent open for a layup, and I think Christian Wood and AD were in D'Lo's line of sight first off, and so he was going to give it to them, but it was so bunched up that he just dribbled it out, right? Gave it to Gabe Vincent, Gabe Vincent gave it to D'Lo, and then he chucked up the three. So that was a botched transition play that wasn't great, even though... The defensive play right before that was KD posting up D'Angelo Russell and he poked the ball free and led that transition, right? But outside of the misfires from three-point land, I have actually been impressed by the process that D'Lo has approached this... um, Yeah, the process D'Lo has had this, this season in terms of trying to right the wrongs of last year and the deficiencies that people pointed out of him. And... If there's anything I'm not worried, if, if there's anything that I'm not worried about with regard with D'Angelo Russell, it's his three point shooting that'll eventually come around. But I've been impressed by his defensive engagement. He's never going to be a defensive player, but as he mentioned himself, what he can do is position himself in the right places and wreak havoc with regards to trying to get strips, getting into the passing lanes. And so far, I mean, two steals, one block, lots of deflections on D'Lo's end. Like, he's really using the back, his backhand slap to, you know, uh, deflect passes here and there. Um, had a block on Eric Gordon last night. 
And overall, he's been doing a better job of staying in front of his man so that the help, AD, Rui, whoever it is, can get the block. And then offensively, of D'Angelo Russell's six made field goals last night, five of those were in the paint. He had one three-pointer. One was like a fast break layup that you probably didn't see because TNT started late. But the other four (laughs) shots were him off his own dribble, taking people into the lane and attacking with his craftiness for layups, you know, which I think has been really impressive. And that was the case too in the Denver game where he had several, a lot of like more than half of his shot attempts were drives to the rim. He just didn't convert in that game. But we saw all throughout preseason, D'Angelo Russell continuing to be aggressive and relentlessly drive has been a positive. And so even when you have nights like this, where he's one of seven from three, he's still doing other stuff to contribute like 14 points, five assists. And again, just keeping pressure on the rim and the defense. And whenever he drives, that's when he's, that's when the floor opens up for him to throw those lob passes to AD or like throw those skip bounce passes to AD for those easy buckets. So it's been an, obviously compared to his preseason, it has not, it's been a poor start to the season for D'Angelo Russell, but I'm at least seeing the process and I think it will, will eventually pay off for him. But yeah, your thoughts on D'Lo so far. I think the, the one interesting thing about D'Lo so far is he's had two not great shooting nights back to back and he's still been able to stay on the floor for like an average of 34, 35 minutes. I think that's pretty telling. Yeah. And, and he's been like one of the top plus minus guys too. Exactly. He was a plus in both games, um, including plus eight last night against the Sun. So he has been overall a net positive. A stat I saw right before we started recording this actually is is, I guess like... He's average. I mean, it's two games, right? But he's averaging like five and a half deflections, which I mean, the stats are kind of like the the eye test is kind of like, I think, aligning with that. It's like when yep. you see him and he does seem a lot more active on the defensive end. Like, I don't think D'Angelo Russell at 27 years old, you know, eight, nine years into his career is suddenly going to become like Gabe Vincent. Like, good luck trying to get past me. I'm going to stay in front of you. But I think what he's done a better job at is just engaging uh, just in his defensive awareness, um, his biggest, you know, defensive uh, attribute that's going to help him is his length on the perimeter. And so when he can muck up the passing lanes, when he can get a switch and like use that length to post the uh, poke the ball away, like those are the ways that he's going to make an impact. And he's done it so far. Um, he had two steals last night. He had a block. Um, the prior night against Denver, he had a steal, but he's also just tipped a bunch of passes yep. um, and created havoc generally. I mean, I the the fast break that you're mentioning was amusing. I think he should have given the ball up first. I think like really what should have happened was, you know, AD or Wood, one of them should have stayed behind as like a trailer because yeah. you can't run a four. Every time a team tries to run a four on one fast break, some some stuff like that happens. Um, but yes, he like, you know, his decision making, I think... Part of that is just going to come with reps. Um, but, you know, it it is, it is. I think, again, the most telling thing about his game so far is he has not shot the ball well at all, but he's been able to stay on the floor and be a net positive player. And frankly, we wouldn't have won the game against the Suns if he didn't, you know, play a significant stretch of minutes uh, through the third and fourth. Yeah, I mean, we made our biggest run back with him to start the fourth, right? Like, again, nine minutes in the third, seven minutes to start the fourth. Um Let's, I know we've been talking about him throughout this episode, and obviously I, I introed this episode with him, but let's quickly give some shine to Christian Wood himself. 
Didn't have a good shooting night, two of seven from the field. But the fact that we can say Christian Wood did not have a great shooting night, but contributed in such a huge way, is already huge signs of growth from his end. And him just repairing his image and the narrative around him about him just being a chucker, right? Now, he still has some very poor shot selection. I think he I think he took like a I mean, he was open for three in the fourth quarter, you know, but it was still like, you know, LeBron and this is LeBron and AD time. And he just chucked up a three and I'm like, oh, my God, Uh, him and him and Gabe Vincent. Sometimes when I see them on the offensive end, I'm just like, can we actually have both of these guys at the same time on the court? Because their (laughs) shot selection is so shoddy. But I guess you'll live with it if they're playing defense, I guess. But Christian Wood, I mean, the most impressive part outside of his defensive effort on KD and him using his seven foot three wingspan. And I highlighted this all throughout offseason. You do not want Christian Wood to be the interior defender. And in the first half, you saw that. Like he cannot defend the rim. Guys are going at him and like laying it up. But if he's stationed against a taller wing who is just gonna take jump shots, that's where Christian Wood can bother guys and even smaller guards like he because he has really good mobility for his size and then when you see him outstretch his arms you really see the extent of that seven foot three wingspan in a lot of ways it's ADsque right um and so once they put Christian Wood on KD and then had Christian Wood funneling KD in certain spots to where AD was as well like that was the perfect combo of like really shutting Kevin Durant down but apart from that, I was really impressed by his rebounding. 10 rebounds, 8 defensive rebounds, 2 offensive rebounds. He was really fighting and scrapping, and that takes a lot of pressure off of AD to not have to do that, you know? That allows AD to play free safety on the defense event without also having to, you know, crash the boards and harm his body in such a way. So I was really impressed by Christian Wood's overall physicality and engagement on the defensive end. Um, Any additional thoughts on Christian Wood? I think the thing that impressed me the most about him was he kind of had a, and maybe maybe some people didn't notice this, he messed up a play like kind of early-ish in the fourth. Like we were making our run. I think we got the lead down to one or something and then Katie hit a three, um, which I think was his only three of the fourth. And AD yeah. like yelled at Christian Wood, like on the court, like he was like, you cannot like, it's Kevin Durant you're guarding on the perimeter. Like, you can't let him just catch a catch-and-shoot three, which is what Wood did. He gave him, like, a little space because he didn't want to get beat off the dribble, and KD just casually caught the ball and just shot it um, with plenty of space. And AD, you know, gave Wood, you know, a, an earful, and, and Wood adjusted. And, you know, it, it's interesting because I think the big narrative on Wood has always been like he has you know he doesn't take criticism well he has his ego is too big and all of these things like you would expect to like when when he's met with that kind of you know response from a teammate on the court like maybe he'll hang his head maybe he'll pout maybe he'll start jacking up more jumpers like who knows what he's gonna do maybe he's not he's just gonna you know completely disengage on the defensive end but he locked in, dude, and and it was pretty impressive to watch. Like, you don't necessarily want Christian Woods uh, switching out on like quick guards on the perimeter. You certainly do not want him as the sole rim protector. But as like a big, I don't want to call him a wing, but like if you think about like 
a, a bigger forward playing next to AD. And and also, you know, I mentioned this, but the big lineup with him, AD, and, and LeBron, like, because of the size of that and length of that front court, like, you can kind of get away with a lot. Like, it's rare that a team has a really elite big man who's going to, like, dominate AD and then, like, big wings who can, like, take you off the you know, off the dribble from the perimeter. And and, and so it's like when you start thinking about like potential matchups and Wood's rebounding ability and potential three-point shooting ability, I think playing him with AD can mask a lot of his defensive deficiencies. And, you know, once he starts making some perimeter jumpers and, and starts like showing the offensive abilities that he's shown his entire career, certainly the last few years... I think this could really be something here. You know, I I wasn't sure how much Wood was going to play. And so far, I think the way that they've deployed him has been really, really good. Like, you know, we talked about this uh, offline the other day, but if you're envisioning AD is going to play 32 to 36 minutes, right? Like he's not as old as LeBron. So let's call it like 34. Those minutes are going to be almost exclusively at the five. That leaves 14 minutes that we need to account for at the five. If Jackson Hayes can take six to eight minutes of those, that means like six to eight minutes, like that's all we're going to need from Christian Wood at the five. And by the way, like in those lineups, even he's usually with LeBron and Rui, who played five for us last year, (laughs) like people kind of forget. Right. So it's it's not ideal during those minutes, but you kind of are going to have to try to let your offense carry the day in those lineups. But in the lineups where he is playing with AD together, I think the fit has been a lot more fluid than I kind of expected. Like again, offense I think needs to work itself out with with Wood being able to hit perimeter shots and mm-hmm. and just overall like our offense just needs a lot of work, right? But defensively like putting Christian Wood in an island against AD where like, you know, or excuse me, against KD, but like having AD sort of hedging over, having LeBron sort of hedging over, you know, it doesn't really matter to some degree if KD or whoever Christian Wood is guarding beats him off the perimeter to the rim because AD is going to rotate and Christian Wood has so much length that he could just like still muck things up. I mean, he had KD missing some shots that were like not even close right in the fourth quarter. And it's just rare that you see KD put in that situation. And I'm not saying it's all Christian Wood. It was game two of the season for the Suns to, KD played 39 minutes, you know, in game two of the season. Like, he probably lost a little bit of his legs at that point. But, you know, I I still give major props to Wood. I think another big thing about him is his rebounding. I mean, you know, for all the talk with the guys last year about how we have to, you know, get better at rebounding at every level, by the way, not just the not just the big men. But, you know, Rui, yes, he only played 12 minutes. He didn't have a single rebound. Cam Reddish played 12 minutes. He only had one rebound. Um, You know, Austin only two rebounds and he's a bigger guard. Like the only other guy on our team who's rebounded consistently in the first two games other than uh, AD is Christian Wood. Yeah. Um, So, you know, again, game one in limited minutes, but he still tried. But I I think like, you know, all of these things that he brings are, are going to be really interesting. And I think it's going to be a nice development to see, over the course of the season, how, you know, we start to, you start to see more and more of that AD LeBron Christian Wood lineup where, you know, you could just imagine on these national games, the guys who don't see this team as much um, and only catch the games from time to time, 
we'll say like, wow, this lineup has a lot of length on the floor, you know, like kind of how, how the guys last night were saying. So I, I think we have something there and I'm, I'm excited to see how it develops. Yeah. Christian Wood with a team high plus 23 last night. And I've mentioned it before and comped him to this player, but, and the player that you were trying to describe is a big mannier version of Cal Kuzma. Like if Cal Kuzma was morphing more into a big man, that's kind of Christian Wood. He's a little bit taller, a little bit stronger than Cal Kuzma and plays the center more than Kuzma would. But it's essentially the same mold. And if you remember that championship season, anytime Cal Kuzma, LeBron James, and AD were on the floor, what did we say? That's a really long, big, versatile lineup, you know? It's not kind of the same stuff we're saying about Christian Wood. It's just, and that's, and that's again, given the fact that he hasn't even made a three-point shot yet. Um, so yeah, really nice showing by Christian Wood these first two games. Really quickly, where does that then leave Rui Hachimura? 12 minutes, 7 points, 1 steal, 1 block. I actually thought he played pretty well in the time he was out there. I just didn't think he was only going to get 12 minutes. And yeah, it's, I don't know, it's such a weird situation given how, again, this goes back to our point of everything we saw in the preseason, just throw it out the door apparently because we're not seeing it happen in these first two games. And again, maybe it's just, that's just de facto by nature that it's because LeBron James and Anthony Davis are being reintegrated into this and there's not a lot of minutes. But I mean, Rui is a guy that we committed to and for some reason he's getting the short end of the stick here. That doesn't mean he doesn't have stuff to work on, as you mentioned, like the rebounding. But I don't also think he's done anything wrong to lose those minutes necessarily. Um, So... Maybe this is just a part of the process thing, but I do find it interesting. I, I know you do too as well, based off of our text, that Rui's getting 12 minutes and it makes me wonder what's going to happen when Vanderbilt comes in. Obviously, Vanderbilt assumes all of Cam Reddish's 11 minutes. Gabe Vincent is probably not playing 35 minutes, at, le- at least I hope not. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's just, it's just, interesting so far like the minutes distribution for Rui so any thoughts on the Black Samurai yeah the only way I think that we're going to be able to find minutes for Rui in in these lineups is if we play bigger backcourts like I just you know out of curiosity (laughs) I just totaled Gabe Vincent Austin and Delo's minutes okay and it adds up to 96 so a hundred percent of the backcourt minutes were those three which in some ways makes sense, right? But if 100% of the minutes in the backcourt are going to come from those three, then like, where do the Cam Reddish minutes come? They come on the wing where Rui's going to, you know, be playing. Mm -hmm. Um, Where do the Torian Prince minutes come? They have to come on the wing. That's where Rui's going to be playing. I think those two guys, if we're going to play Cam, if we're going to play Torian Prince, like, some of those minutes have to come in the backcourt. And and I see no reason why they can't if we're especially in lineups where LeBron is playing the point. Um, that's the way that Rui is going to find the floor. He played 12 minutes last night. It was pretty much exclusively the minutes when LeBron sat. He only was like solely LeBron's backup. He didn't like do anything else. And then similar thing in, in night one, I kind of brushed it off because he clearly had like the yips or something. And he came out and was just like blowing layups and doing all kinds of crazy things. So I thought, you know, maybe Darvin was just sitting him. But like to your point, like his plus minus was not good last night, but he looked okay individually in those minutes. I mean, again, he has to rebound and, and maybe show a little more defensively. Um, 
But I think like with Rui, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what happens first because clearly he has to play more and be more involved. But what's the first you know thing that happens? Is it the coaching staff that makes a concerted effort to get him more involved, or is it him like understanding that okay? I can't justify like they're not going to be able to justify playing me if I'm out there for 12 minutes as like a six, eight forward and I can't get a single rebound. And and that was like the talk of the entire off season. Right. So is he going to be the one who adjusts first and says, I that's where I have to lock in. I have to lock in with my defense. I have to lock in with my rebounding and then the minutes will come. So I'm kind of curious, but I mean, yeah, to your point, Gabe Vincent playing 35, that has to come down. Um, these other guys then, you know, Cam Reddish minutes, Torian, some Torian Prince minutes, those get shoved into the backcourt a little bit more. Um, and then we open up some minutes for Rui that way. I think that's the only way. I mean, and that's the crazy thing, and you kind of alluded to this, is like, we don't even have to deal with Vando at this point. <laughs> so like, what happens when Vando comes back? Because I don't know how we're going to do this. We're already playing like 10 deep, if you factor yeah. in Wood. Um, so does Vando just like, excuse me, back factor in Hayes, like he plays limited minutes, but he's still part of the rotation. Like, so, you know, does Hayes get the get the axe and like Wood just takes over as as pure backup center to free up more minutes? Um, I, that could be an option. Maybe if you play Vando and Rui next to Wood, like maybe you can get by um, with Wood as your primary backup center. Like, you know, does Cam Reddish just get completely removed from the rotation and 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 Vando just fully steps into that spot? You could maybe see that happening. So it's like kind of interesting to see how they're going to approach it. But I think. Yeah, we committed $17 million a year to Rui. That was not a mistake, I don't think, you know, and and I haven't seen anything to suggest it was so far, but like he has to be able to play to get his reps and get shots and like do the things that he needs to do to be effective. He's played average of 13 and a half minutes a game (laughs) over the first two games. And in the first one, he had to force up 10 shots because like he wasn't getting that much time in the second game. He only took three shots like... That's just not gonna not gonna get it done. Yeah, and again, it's only two games, but this kind of when we were talking about Christian Wood in the off season, I don't want this to necessarily be the start of us seeing Darvin Ham's new Dennis Schroeder or Frank Vogel's new Avery Bradley, but it might be the start of something. Now, obviously, everything panned out. He was very justified in putting Christian Wood out there, but if it starts to be a thing where all throughout the season, his relationship, prior relationship with Christian Wood is the determining factor in who's getting the most minutes, that's where it can get a little bit tricky, right? And then it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy where if that's the case and you're giving the benefit of the doubt more to the one-year expiring contract guy than the guy you committed $17 million to, and you already know how, I don't want to say fragile Rui Hachimura is, but you know the journey he's been through in terms of getting to this place of being aggressive. You could undo a lot of that just by, you know, minutes distribution and not actually intentionally giving him those reps and those chances the way that you did in the preseason. You saw how everything aligned for him to bust out of the gates, you know, or come out of the gates like gangbusters the way he did. Um, so it's just something to monitor. I'm not saying that's what's happening here, but it is something that, you know, was a little bit of a concern when we brought Christian Wood in and whether or not Darvin Ham's pre-existing relationships would 
as with any coach, would sort of rule the day. So something to monitor. Hope Rui gets more minutes, obviously, but that, that the, the onus is also on him to continue to show his progression. Even if it's unfair and he's only getting 12 minutes, then he has to even more so. Right or wrong, unfair or not, he has to, again, come out of the gates like gangbusters if he's only getting limited minutes and really force Darvin Ham's hand. Um... Any last thoughts? That's pretty. That'll pretty much do it for this episode. Tommy, do you have any last thoughts or any players that you want to point out? I will say Cam Reddish has been really impressive defensively these first two games. It's interesting, maybe not so interesting because he is the older player with more experience, but given their preseasons, Max Christie clearly looked like the more ready player, and Cam Reddish has obviously overtaken him in the rotation And maybe that was always going to be the case. We just didn't realize it because Cam Reddish was out after the first game. And that first preseason game he played was atrocious. So maybe he was always that backup shooting guard guy. But now that we've seen him healthy, you kind of see why. Especially in the Denver game. He was kind of wreaking havoc on Denver's guards and fighting through screens, being slithery, you know, and using his length. And against Kevin Durant last night, I mean, I put out a video cutting up all of Cam Reddish's defensive plays versus KD. I actually thought he played a very good, very, he did a very decent job on KD. It's just KD is almost seven foot and was just shooting over him. So Cameron just didn't have the height and the length to really bother KD. That's why you saw Christian Wood over, overtake that assignment. But with regards to him sticking with Kevin Durant, botting him up, funneling him into the bigs, I thought Cameron did a really good job moving his feet in that respect. And against 90% of other wings in the NBA, I feel like Cam Reddish would have held up, but that was just Kevin Durant, a Hall of Famer. So any thoughts on Cam Reddish so far, even though, in my opinion, this is just a stopgap thing till Jared Vanderbilt comes in, but at least in this, I mean, I hope it's a momentary period, um, but in this momentary, in, in this small stopgap period, Cam Reddish has done a pretty good job. Obviously, you wish that he would also hit his open shots. You mentioned this in the offseason, but you were like, Cam Reddish, when he's on, he's on. He'll hit his three-point shots. But when he's off, his shots are, like, really off. And you've kind of seen that the last two games. But defensively, he's been very engaged and kind of been, like, a Kroger brand version of what we've been looking for in terms of a a 6'7 sort of guy who can move his feet around but also make himself skinny around those screens and still keep up. Yeah, I, I think Cam Reddish has... Uh, really impressed me so far. I think, you know, again, the shooting <laughs> offensively, I'm not sure still about who Cam Reddish is. The shooting is like, a, a, it's an adventure because he will just get these wide open corner threes and completely break them. And I'm just not sure what's happening there. But with his size and length, you know, you kind of, or at least I always wonder with these types of guys, especially when they're young and athletic, like how much of the defensive hype is actual results and how much is just like everyone thinks this guy should be a good defender right and i think cam and cam Rogers has shown that the hype is like for real a little bit on on the defensive side like he moves super i mean you just mentioned it but he moves super super fluidly on the perimeter um he stays in front of guys big guys small guys it's it's pretty impressive to watch so if we can just make him a semi-reliable three-point shooter i think he has a very 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 clear role on this team in in spot minutes i mean people could argue that you know max is more important his development is more important long term for the team but i I, my counter to that i guess is max is still 20 years old and 
how often do you see like 20 year olds in the Western conference finals and in the NBA finals, you know, especially guys who are like former, you know, second round picks, like how often are those types of guys like making significant impacts? Like Cam Reddish is not that much older. Um, and maybe not that much more experienced even, but you know, I don't know. I, I guess I'm thinking You're like talking about the wrong team though. We had Caruso and Austin Reeves, <laughs> but yeah, I get your point. Yeah. 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 But you know, Austin is maybe a special case and he was 25 years old, right? Cause he's like a yeah. little bit older when he was drafted, but you know, 20 year olds, I think like even like lottery picks, you know, you don't often see them like in the playoffs, like making significant pr- uh, production, the deeper and deeper you get. Right. So I, I don't, I'm not saying Cam over Max was the right choice. I mean, it clearly is the choice for now. Um, maybe Max will get his shot after we sort of see what Cam can do after, yeah. you know, a 10 or 15 games. Um, but I sort of see the rationale in, in the sense that Max has the tools to be a good defender. I don't know that he has the reps at the NBA level to get there. And, and maybe, you know, I'm kind of making everyone else's counterpoint for them right now. Like maybe Max needs those reps to, to get mm-hmm. to where Cam is. But um, I just think based on what I've seen so far, like, you know, again, Cam a little more experienced, a little more physically developed. Maybe he's the guy for us. If, if we need to turn to a bigger, bigger guard slash bigger wing to defend on the perimeter, um, you know, when we get into like more important games, I guess. Yeah, you almost wish Cam Reddish and Torian Prince were fused together, you know? Yeah. Because Torian Prince has that shooting aspect, and at this stage, he's still very disruptive on the defensive end, but he can't move his feet and slide through screens the way Cam Reddish can at this age, you know? So it's almost like, man, if we could just mold both of those players into one, you'd have the perfect small forward. But again, that's kind of always the problem we're running into year after year, and yeah, shout out to Torian Prince. He only was 0 for 5 last night, didn't get a rebound. Um, but the first game, he carried over his hot shooting from the preseason, and I think he hit like four threes or whatever. Um, it's going to be an up and down sort of thing with Torian Prince based off of whether his shot is going in or not. And he had a tough matchup against KD, which is why he was underutilized last game. Gave Vincent 0 of 5 from 3. He has not hit a three-pointer yet. In these first two games, he did have an on-again, off-again sort of preseason where where he was in and out of the lineup, and I think he missed the last three games or so because of an injury, so he's clearly still working his way back, but he did have six assists, three steals, really mucked it up and was physical down down the line in the fourth quarter for the Lakers. I know Lakers fans are frustrated with his shot selection. I am too. This is what we all warned you guys about in the offseason. And you just wish that he'd stop taking these weird, like, step-back jumpers with 19 seconds left in the shot clock with a set defense. I don't know what he's thinking sometimes, but whatever. That is the Gabe Vincent experience, everybody. You live with it, sort of, because he always hustles his ass off on the defensive end. Uh, But yeah, that'll do it for our episode. Again, it's going to be a process, but this is still, like, again... A lot of the problems we're talking about is just how to find minutes for everybody. And it's going to be a process for these guys to just learn how to play without the necessary reps and learn how to gel with all of these different parts. And one of the standouts from preseason, Jackson Hayes, again, has not even been able to play yet. So it's going to be matchup dependent, game to game, maybe 10 10 games to 10 games. We'll see different guys get their shots 
that may inevitably cap our ceiling for the first half of the year. But I think in the long run, it'll be worth it. So any last thoughts, Tommy? Uh, No last thoughts. I'm just curious, you know, again, each game, it's always exciting in the beginning of the season to see sort of how everything's going to come together. So I'm still looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure. And again, the Lakers are 1-1 one one versus 0-5 oh last year, so we are well on our way. Let's just not start off 2 for 10. We'll take any win where we can get them. Anthony Davis, tremendous, 30 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals, 3 blocks. Anthony Davis, Tommy, has hit a 3-pointer in every single game of basketball he has played in the 23-24 season, which is very encouraging. So that's one thing we can take away from the offseason and preseason that's carried itself over. LeBron James, you already know, he closed the game out last night. Several, you know, tough layups and and ones and whatnot. 21 points, 9 assists, 8 rebounds, 2 steals, 2 blocks. Caps, minutes caps limit will not cap the king. Um, but yeah, with that said, we will catch you guys next time. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app, as well as the Spotify app. I believe we have 99 five stars. Get us to 100, everybody. With that said, we will catch you guys next time. Hopefully by then the Lakers will have two or three wins. We shall see. But yeah, Tommy, I will catch you later. Peace. Laters. 